Hello, hello. Fan drive time. Tuesday afternoon, I don't know, I guess evening now, 5 o'clock. I don't know if you want to quibble when the evening starts. Do you have a time that the evening starts? Maybe it's right now. Fan drive time. Brent Gunning, Gord Stellick alongside me. The two of us alongside you for the next two hours of hopefully radio magic. Mike Gentili putting together a wonderful program. Andrew Dutch Holland on the wheels of steel. And hey, we'll give him some credit. He's poking around. Tom Young, not sure what he's doing today here, but he was chatting with us before the show. So uh, he gets a little credit today. Gord Stellick, how you doing on a wonderful, wonderful Tuesday? Yeah, you know, we're getting into the post-pandemic, so drive time is back to being 3 p.m. till 8 p.m., mm-hmm, I think. That's right. I think we're, we're getting back to that, so I, I am... Uh, don't jinx it, I gotta drive home, so. Uh Yeah, it'll be... I am doing great. Yeah, nice seeing Tom Young. Don't know what he's doing, but always, um, always nice to have him around. And, uh, yeah, lots of things to talk about. Boy, the college championship game, not one we're going to no. talk about. Not that I would have, you know, I, I watch it out of curiosity sure. to see because they've been some of the most exciting games historically. Uh, ever since they did get it right and go for an NCAA championship. But all good. A couple of days off for the Leafs. And uh, again, injury question marks, and you know, which goes with the territory. So that's the wonderful world of sports. It's uh, it's funny you mentioned the, the college football championship that, of course, last night, Georgia pasting TCU. I saw there was a clip, and uh, you know, I'll, I'll speak for myself here. I thoroughly enjoyed this. The Bulldogs celebrating exactly how I would when they were up big in the second half. Just guys eating chicken wings on the sideline in uniform, uh, theoretically going back out to play in the game at some point in time. So uh, that should tell you everything about how it's going. And it's always so funny, you know, things that matter so much here don't catch as much in the States and vice versa a little bit. And, you know, I just remember uh, not to not to name drop a little bit, but, you know, Robert Ori was up here, NBA grade. He was doing some stuff and we had to tape him in a booth, uh, you know, uh, at the building here. And I was just walking through, you know, just shooting the breeze with him. And he was forlorn that he could not listen to the college football game on the radio when he was because he was up here and it just happened to be the college football championship. And it's so funny how, you know, it's still a relatively big deal here, but it's exactly like you said, just a fun curiosity we check in on if it's a great game we might have talked about it but yeah not going to get into it today uh i i like i'm trying to think who was might have been james duffy i'm trying to think who did the or might have been brad fay on our yeah. side but did the interview with vince carter and tracy mcgrady before they went to the all-star right. game in golden state <laughs> and tracy mcgrady's uh line was you know who you with and of course he's with the competition That's right. and he said why do you show curling all the time <laughs> <laughs> you know, just like because you're right. There's a when you're when you're down there. I I lived there a long time ago, but right, just wow, difference and and it's still wow up here. But mm-hmm. yeah, you don't you can't get certain stations and I, you know that the way they ran up the score last night. First of all, running up the score. So don't tell me there's going to be a thirty for thirty like Jimmy Johnson and then you know the Notre Dame Miami or whatever yep. you know way back when running the score up and the eating chicken didn't that. Isn't that what got the Boston Red Sox smart That's enough? That's right. That's right. They had chicken and beer, though, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, and they sucked. And they weren't winning. That yeah. was the other part of if it, If you're going to yeah. have chicken and beer, win. That's right. Because was that John Farrell, the XJ? That, it was, uh, he was poking around there. Uh, yes. Uh, yes. yes. Uh, boy, kind of, what a time it, it was in Boston. Chicken and beer. Anytime. But how do you get it delivered? Like, really, is there a delivery guy comes? Well, I don't and, know. You know, you, you, uh, you've you worked in, in not the big leagues, but the National Hockey League. I don't know. Maybe that's like uh, the assistant to the traveling secretary's job. I don't know. Maybe well, they're the one who's... Uh, who, yeah. Who's there's a way there's a way someone there's, some person will get it there's always a way uh we're going to talk a lot of nhl of course we continue to truck along towards the trade deadline uh as i was joking with my guy uh, andrew holland before the start of the show why is he your guy well you know i, I like Don't ducky he him? can be yours well, too. i like him too sure. okay there we go he's both our guys uh, yeah. Andrew and everybody who i didn't know you were exclusive andrew i didn't <laughs> know you got to tell me these things i don't want to hear it on the street okay there you go. well you're hearing it right now and uh, i was talking with him about the show i complained yet well i didn't complain i just put in a request to the sports god saying 
can we please not have a baseball trade until Wednesday? And we didn't get a trade, but we did get a signing uh, from the Blue Jays. So I'm going to try to brainstorm, see what I'd like to happen in the sports world so I can ask it not to happen tonight so it actually can because it seems like every time every time I'm asking for something not to happen, it does. Of course, the Blue Jays' big move there is uh, Brendan Belt. But it is time to get into today's top story brought to you by Thornhill Toyota, your local Toyota store since 1969. Come for the history, stay for the future, Dufferin North of Steels. A couple of injuries in Leafland, one for sure injury, one maybe injury. We will start with the one we have more certainty on, TJ Brody. Back on injured reserve, that will take him out of the lineup at least seven days. So even if that is retroactive to when he was last out, which was Sunday, he's going to miss that game against Boston. He's going to miss all three games this week. Uh, Rib injury, according to Sheldon Keefe. And, you know, Gord, this is something we've talked about, the idea of it's really nice that the Leafs have been able to Find a level, whether Riley's out or Brody's out or, you know, a guy like Rasmus Sandin has missed time. But TJ Brody is maybe the blue liner you can least afford to lose because he is the guy who fits seemingly with everybody wherever you need him to go. So uh, this is, uh, you know, again, hopefully you get your injuries out of the way now. We've been saying that all year long. But, yeah, more injury woes for the least blue line. Well, you as president of the Connor Timmons fan club, you've got to be happy because he's, he's in. in. You keep thinking, oh, my goodness, where are we going to find a place to put him? And I said, don't sweat it. There'll be injuries. And, you know, Sheldon Keefe. So this is your fault. Sheldon Keefe was forthcoming uh, about it before. Just, you know, try to give him an extra day off. And he's kind of the guy. And I remember my sister started uh, at a restaurant, the Pickle Barrel, way back. Like, I'm talking decades oh, yeah. ago. But it was jammed all the time. And when okay. you started... There'd be a senior server that would have your back. Mm. So if you ran into trouble, they would just take up more tables, right? TJ Brody. And that's what TJ Brody is. Really exactly. Is. Yeah. That, that, that's what he is on the D. See how I come up with those analogies? I like that. That's Always good. about food, though. I don't, there's a theme. <laughs> but, you know, that's what he brings. So the good part is, like they did when he wasn't there, you go out and you swim by yourself. And, you know, you hopefully grow and you get time and you thrive on it. And they embraced it before. And the old expression, injuries are part of the game. So anyway, so that's fact. The other one is um, the, the, little bit, the little bit of intrigue or mystery. When I say that's a big one, and we're talking about Austin Matthews not practicing today, it hit me because he played every game his first season, uh, all 82. And I guess it must have been the next year that he missed one. And the first time he did, I said, and this is no slight against Mitch Marner mm-hmm. or anybody else, because same thing when you go to a game, you, you, know, you want to see all the, particularly for your home team, all for the sure. best players. But it really hit me going, oh, my God, like if I'm going to a Leaf game and Austin Matthews isn't playing, like I didn't feel that way about Matt Sundin or Doug Gilmore or Wendell Clark or even Boria, mm-hmm. you know, back in those days, whatever. And just like, oh, man, you know, just like, oomph. So, um, again, no official word, but, um, and again, 82 games in a regular season, it's, uh, it's, it's, not, it's not very smart if you play someone like him. When, you know, you, you, you're a little bit leery, err on the side of caution. Yeah, nothing wrong with erring on the, shot, the side of caution. I think the little bit of a frustrating point, and again, when you look at the big picture, this is, this is really small potatoes, but, you know, the Leafs had just kind of found their level again. And look, they found their level with the blue line banged up, and obviously, you know, losing, no offense to anyone on the blue line, but losing Austin Matthews is a little more important than just about anybody you're going to take away there. Uh, but if he has to miss a game now to make sure he's right in April or right, two weeks from now, whatever the case may be, I got no problem with it. But you're you're right. I had the exact same thought, you know, when you'd have these stretches without Matthews and you go, look, you're, you're still really lucky. Mitch Marner in the lineup, William Nylander, John Tavares, all the guys on the blue line yeah. we talk about. Like there is a ton of skill and studs on this team, but there's just something about that presence, the gravity he has. He's your number one center. Like it just completely changes everything. You know, I do wonder what they'll end up doing and, 
I, I guess if it's just one game, it's, you know, another chance for Sheldon Keefe to kind of experiment. It seemed like based on the lines of practice today, William Nylander would be the guy going in at center. You know, I, I wonder, I don't have a problem with that. You know, I know they want to try that occasionally from time to time, although I think it's pretty clearly settled. He he is a winger and a really, really good one. So does Marner play defense when guess- Marner, when uh, Nylander's <laughs> up there at center? Is that what they're doing? I guess, I guess. But, you know, I'm a little surprised. The, the idea of a guy like Pontus Holmberg, I wonder if you would have tried him up in the top six. You maybe bump Tavares up there. You you could have the option, which Keefe has done in the past, of completely loading it up. And I imagine you'll see some mix of all if it is a case. And, hey, it's entirely possible Austin Matthews plays tomorrow. He's a game-time decision. I wouldn't bank on it, to be <laughs> to be perfectly candid, but it, 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 it's possible he plays. But I, I wouldn't – I'm really curious to see what Sheldon Keefe will do because we know he's a guy who loves to experiment. We know he loves to try different things. And just because William Nylander is starting at center in that game doesn't mean that's where he'll finish or vice versa. Yeah, I'm looking ahead to the Boston game as well like mm-hmm. you know and again yes it's just, please be healthy for that it's, one. yeah it's well it's just one regular season game in the context but it's just you know haven't been a lot of divisional games uh, this is the marquee team this is a great rivalry the Leafs did beat them uh earlier in the season and uh I, I it wouldn't be the worst thing without those guys as well you know to get uh, but it, we're kind of looking in, at as a as a marquee regular season game which changes when you don't have Austin Matthews and TJ Brody but the Bruins started the season without Brad Marchand and Charlie McAvoy. Okay, mm-hmm. that they bring in, they began their heater of all heaters uh, in in that in that respect. So maybe maybe in some ways, whether it's you know like Pontus Holberg, boy, you, you move someone up to the second line against a team like Boston, say, yeah. or anybody in the NHL. But you know that's where you got to go. You know that's what's got to happen. It's like in in Dallas, a kid like a local guy like Wyatt Johnston. You know you're you're pretty healthy, so you can kind of spot him. You can try to. Fine spots. So we, we talked about it when uh, Dallas was in town mm-hmm. and because we're watching him close and, and he got on when Austin Matthews, the, the Leafs got to do the line change. Dallas didn't. And you just saw him out there smartly. <laughs> you know, what, I don't even know if he lost or won the faceoff, but he, he basically draped himself over Matthews yeah. <laughs> without drawing a penalty. Yeah. And as soon as the puck was out, like 15 seconds later, he was, you know, gone to the bench. And then as time goes on, you can put those guys in tougher situations and hey, so we'll find out. We'll find out. It's, it's an opportunity. Opportunities, and the Leafs, the Leaf players have been seizing them. Yeah, and a guy, a guy with a great name, getting a call up. And based on the line rushes, uh, looks like he may get in the lineup tomorrow. Obviously, Austin Matthews' health will dictate that. But Bobby McMahon, just a strong, strong-sounding name. Sounds like he's going to run through some people. And uh, you know, Nick Kiprios. Really, really you think, but Bobby? He, did he think Bobby McMahon's a, a strong-sounding name? I do. I think it's tough. Yeah, I, think, I like it. See, I think of his uncle Ed. You know, as Johnny Carson's sidekick. I don't know. That's where it's so Bobby McMahon. Okay. I like I, it. Bobby McMahon sounds like a guy that would give you the, the Glasgow kiss with a with a headbutt if he uh, if it's he probably more it. the Bobby part, right? Yeah, probably, yeah. yeah. Uh the, the Kiprios brought this up uh j- just uh, listening or listening to him driving in, uh and this this will shock you that this is the part that excited Nick the most. He's six foot two, two hundred and ten pounds. So uh hey, it's a it's an element the Leafs don't have. We'll see what happens. He's been scoring a ton for the Marlies. Who knows if he even gets in? But uh interesting. Is Nick to on see. the airwaves here? Yeah, yeah, he is. Really? I, I think you talk How to often? him. I think you talk to him occasionally. What every you, day? Yeah, you're basically a co-host. Happen? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Of course. Uh, actually, they actually I've mentioned you've been on it many yep. times. We fill in. That, that's a real. They've they've got a real good groove going there. They got a real good heater going with a real Kipper and Bourne. But yeah, the size thing. Kipper loves size. Like you know, it's uh, that's why it, it, um, I'm jumping all over the place. But talking to Mark Savard, who was part of our family For a few sure. years ago, but he's got Shane right now in Windsor. Right. So just had him chatting with him this morning on, oh, on my NHL Network go. show. And uh, just like just chatting about most broadcasters, it seems, and coaches in that are 
journeyman players, yeah. right? You know, and like Sheldon Keefe and what have you. So for Savvy to be an elite player, yeah. you know, and relating relating with guys in about then. So in a lot of ways, he's probably perfect for Shane Wright, just like last year he coached Wyatt Johnston in, in Windsor. And look at the growth that, he, I mean, the kid did it himself, really, but that, that he helped in that regard. Yeah, that's uh, that's very true. So again, uh, TJ Brody on IR, he'll be out at least for seven days. So he's going to miss all three games this week. Uh, Matthews, maintenance day at practice. It looks like he'll be a game-time decision tomorrow. Bobby McMahon called up from the Toronto Marlies. Possible he gets in tomorrow. That was today's top story brought to you by Thornhill Toyota and yeah you know it's funny I uh, just quickly talking about marks of art it's nothing we all don't know but uh, you know a little favorite game of mine to play with my buddies is we'll just throw out a guy you know somebody like Savvy of somebody who's been gone from the league for a while you know obviously he's front of mind for us but I think for some people you know once you're out of the league you not to say you're forgotten but you're just not on the tip of people's tongues and you go pull up marks of arts uh, hockey DB page you'll be very uh, impressed at how uh, good a passer he is it's just is he's one of these guys who we talk about him all the time because we know him we were like enough to work with him but uh yeah his numbers ridiculous yeah i remember just chatting with zidane ochara and he just said that he goes like he goes i can just visualize that saucer pass and he put it on his stick <laughs> never had a flat and, pass uh, and he and you know the guy savvy went through a dark time when his career ended of course, the concussion with concussion yeah. and that so it's just neat to see him uh neat to see him back on track and and i, I gotta tell you watching the games which we do now he had a he had a really great eye for detail, and that's why I I, I guess he doesn't do taping twigs anymore. No, I don't. That think was he's a little busy. Yeah, a little busy, but just to break down how people tape their hockey sticks, and and he kind of made it into a little YouTube cottage industry, which was I know uh, Dave Cado said it's, mm-hmm. it was his son's favorite favorite segment, favorite show, but just he broke it down that way, that little science. So and so being good natured and all those other things, he also had this this really. Really intelligent, studious eye, kind of like you and I. Oh, okay. That, thank you. You landed the plane there. I was waiting for you to be like, and you, Brent, you see the game at exactly the same level as Mark Savard. That's that's what I was waiting for. And you eventually got there. Uh, obviously, a little news in, in Jay's land again. Uh, teach me to, to ask to put in a request to the sports gods. I asked for all baseball news to be moved or to start as of 7.01 today so Ben could take care of it or Blake could take care of it when he's back tomorrow. No, we, but you said not dur- during the show. That's true. Okay. last time was during. So this mm. is done before. So, so we, maybe I wasn't direct enough with my request. Uh, so we to, had a to chance to do God research. There. Yes, we did have a chance to do some research. Maybe we didn't do it, but we had a chance to. <laughs> Brendan Belt coming to the Blue Jays' lefty bat, first baseman DH type. And when I say type, that's it. That's all he does. He is a lefty bat. He's going to play first baseman. If he's not playing that, if he's in the lineup, he's going to be your DH. Just a shade under ten million bucks. I think nine point two is or nine point three is what it ends up getting or landing at there. You know, this is an interesting move for for the Jays. Obviously, Vladdy is a guy who's going to have to DH a ton. You got George Springer as a guy who you'd like to get off his feet occasionally. Alejandro Kirk is a guy who has been in the DH spot for this team, and now you find yourself with Brendan Belt. You know, I think it's funny. Of course, you and I were so bogged down in, in Leafland, and nine point three million sounds a lot different in major league salaries than it does for uh, NHL salaries. You know, this is a guy who I think he can kind of find a niche with the team. Maybe he's a guy who gets in the lineup three, four, five times a week. Maybe he's a guy who doesn't, depending on what you need at any given moment. But uh, it's been a, it's been kind of a slow trickle of an offseason for the Blue Jays. You had the Teoscar Hernandez trade. Then you had the trade when we were on the air last time. And now you have your belt move. It seems like they've been kind of spacing out their moves, Gordon. Yeah, and again, the number doesn't impact fans. Like, they don't get the same scrutiny without it being a cap. Mm-hmm. Now. I assume there's some kind of budget. So, you know, the budget went there, arguably where could it go somewhere else? But 
Um, I I know that left-handed bats were huge. That was a priority, mm-hmm. and good on them. They've addressed it rather than next year, you know, complaining about the same thing. I've got some left-handed bats. Again, with guys like this, what are you paying for? And uh, I'm not saying they're supposed to know for sure. Of course you don't know for sure. But, you know, when you see the average, what, 213, yeah. you go, really? Mm-hmm. $9.3 million? It's more like 213. I don't want you on the team playing <laughs> DH. 213, that's not <laughs> DH number. But you go by reputation yep. and what he did before. And, you know, other injuries, whatever. So that's what you hope you're getting. Otherwise, if you're, you know, that's what you do. And that, and it's not a perfect science, but your your scouts try to try to gauge it. And, you know, we know health-wise it's impacted a much bigger contract yeah, we'll about not being second. able to pass your physical. But, um, yeah, I, I, again, it's like the Leafs. Who were we talking about yesterday? The Leafs and the Jays. I think maybe even Peter King brought it up. Just like in Toronto, like right now, the fans just... The Leafs have done it for a lot of years. Jays just for a couple, but yep. those playoff exits—they're not just exits; they're painful. Oh man, they're the, crushing uh, in some cases. Man, the the Jay uh, and look—it's a two-game series. It's a wild card, but man, there are there are a ton of parallels to the Leafs' four-one collapse in Boston and the Blue Jays' eight-one collapse uh, at home to Seattle. You know, one of those on the road, one of those at home, but a couple of young teams and. You know, obviously the Leafs were a very different group now than that. Not team. as young anymore, not, though. Not, well, no, yes. not as young, but yeah, yeah. it's just uh, you. You hope. I guess what I'm getting at is you hope you don't have the uh, the carry on effect that's happened with the Leafs with the Jays here. You'd love to see them break through at some point in time. The other part of it as well, and you know, we can always quibble about how much this means, but this guy's been on a couple of World Series teams. You know, they're just adding that element to the clubhouse. It's really important for God. Look, you know, it's. The, the manager, the hitting coach, all the different coaches that are involved, they can help kind of shepherd you along. But there is nothing more impactful than when one of your fellow players can kind of get in your ear and give you some advice or tell you about the ups and downs. So I think getting a guy who is who's had that has that pedigree of a couple World Series that that really helps him as well. Uh, just quickly, uh, not not a ton to add on this. They did make one other move, uh, acquiring right-handed pitcher Zach Thompson. I think part of the reason why that's an important move, and again, important is probably way overstating it, but this is a team. That just ran out of starting pitchers last year. I'm not saying this guy's any good. This is a guy who's pitched in the big leagues, though. So when you run into injuries, when you run into the need for a bullpen day, potentially he's an arm that you can throw in there. So uh, yes, that's Zach Thompson coming from Pittsburgh. Chavez Young uh, going back, uh, going back the other way. You mentioned it. Uh, the the interesting Carlos Correa situation. So just to put a uh, just to give everyone the roadmap here. He started off in free agency, looked like he was going to the Giants. Then there was a little potential hiccup with the physical. Then he's going to the Mets. He's taking pictures. He's got his kid in I love New York shirt. And then something happened with that physical. And lo and behold, he is now going back to the team he played for last year. Minnesota Twins finalizing a six-year, $200 million deal. Now pending physicals. Uh, Of course, you still want to see that now. Again, Dutch, our guy, our guy, both of ours, we're sharing them. He gave me the great analogy. It's so good, I got to use it. Is you know, if you have an old car that is, you, know, you got to wiggle the, you got you got to wiggle the key just right to get it in, and oh, you got to put the lights to this setting, and then the car will run just fine, and maybe it makes a little bit of a funny noise. You're all used to that, and you say, oh, runs fine. What are you talking about? But somebody borrowing the car, or if somebody's trying to buy the used car from you, they're like. What is wrong with all this? Why don't the lights work? And you say, oh, it's fine. I get around with it. So the twins, they're used to these problems for, for Carlos Correa, whatever they may, may be medically. Uh, just just incredible to see the ups and downs for, for him throughout this offseason with this whole story, Gord. Okay, now, first of all, um, the cars. 
I wish your store, <laughs> like my first three cars were a Corvair, mm. a Ford Pinto, and a Valiant. Okay, not exactly, you know, all used. I don't even know what a Valiant is. It well, sounds good. And it beautiful. It was rust colored to boot, Ooh. so it hid the rust. What, oh, and, I was and just mean back then, you, you did all that stuff. Like something went awry. Yeah. And my dad had an ability, so you did, like, you touched the alternator, it started, and if you broke down, which we did quite a bit, you had mm-hmm. bumpers, so I'd call my brother, and he'd just all of a sudden, boom, the car be behind yep. me pushing. <laughs> and now, like, now when you, you don't wiggle the thing anymore, when it breaks down, it's like 800 bucks. Oh, it's, you, you, you can't go anywhere. Like you, you get, It's not a mechanic. You're taking it yeah. to, like, Apple Care, it well, feels like. Yeah. And then there's some of these, like, apparently, if, you're, if your light's out... It's like 600 bucks a pair, like the old thing, put the bulb in there. Anyway, so I'm just saying, uh, I'm remembering that wistfully, and it does apply to people. <laughs> you know, it does apply to people. Like, <laughs> I got some things need prodding as well, or whatever they need to, to um, get me going on my doubles tennis. That's it. I can't play, quite play Major League Baseball. Triples tennis. We all yes. know which sport yeah, you're, uh, you're, you're playing out there. Uh, I was talking about that before the show, so I'm happy you, uh, you led me to water. Uh, yeah, it is, it is interesting when you see uh, what, what happens there in terms of Correa. I guess good for him that he, that he lands on his feet but man uh, that's going to be a very very heavily scrutinized deal and like you said there's no cap in baseball but there there's a budget for every team and now, six years at 200 million dollars so he, he got basically the same coin right it's the term he didn't get so it is it what it is is it's more that he has the guaranteed money there were a lot of with all of the other deals whether it be the giants or whether it be the mets there was a you know a relatively large base sum at the beginning but then as the contract went on there were all these vesting options you have to have x many plate appearances you would have to have the X many homers to get to trigger bonuses. This is much less bonus laden. This is just you're going to get your money. Uh, so you, good on him. I mean, you know, it's uh, and again, they're they're a team that realizes it. And I guess I guess the good news is you can just kind of put this soap opera behind you. It's funny. I've spent so many off seasons in baseball in the past complaining about a lack of stories. You know, it feels like. Going back three or four years, you'd have the top free agent in baseball sitting there in February, still waiting to see where he's going to play. This is the exact opposite side of the coin. Carlos Correa is signed with three different teams this uh, this uh, offseason, and we're just in the middle of uh, January here. So I, I'm not going to complain uh, the, the other way around. I mentioned in a couple of minutes, we're going to talk to Frank Saravelli. Obviously, want to talk to him about potential Leaf trade targets. What's going on? He was talking about Leafs goaltending, and that seems to have leveled itself out, although we're two games away from talking about it the exact other way. So we'll talk to all that about we'll talk to frank about all that uh also howard simon wgr 550 he's going to join us just get a pulse what's going on in buffalo how are people feeling have they come off the emotional high of the bills win and damar hamlin back in town and also got to talk to him about those pesky pesky sabers although they lost to the horrific philadelphia flyers last night so yeah. maybe maybe uh maybe we shouldn't be pumping their tires too much you know it's and, and peter king brought up a couple of good points that i i'm a big bills fan i've mm-hmm. always been cowboys and bills whatever but a big bills fan going like pre-oj simpson yeah. okay way I back hope when. so yeah well and then and then well i do remember the electric company and reggie mckenzie and joe <laughs> delamalur and all those guys that block for him but but the 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 thing like uh, that peter king said is that it was such an emotional game we know and the kickoff return was surreal in that but he also said it wasn't it wasn't a great Bills game. No. You know, and, and the other part with Hamlin, um, they really needed him in the secondary because that's where they've been depleted by injuries. And of course his health is first and foremost. Sure. No one's expecting to come back. But in football sense for a team that it's time, you know, there's the, there's like there's this incredible story, the incredible pos- positivity about it. But and Peter King said yesterday on our show just that 
he feels getting some routine, playing 1 o'clock Sunday again will help because they had so many things. They had to, they had to spend Christmas on the road when they're in Chicago. They had to stay on the road to play in Detroit because they couldn't get back home with Thanksgiving. So, you know, these kind of things matter. So, because uh, 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 they've just had the strangest, strangest, strangest games unbelievable finishes over the last number of years. Yeah, I mean, you you mentioned it yesterday, going all the way back to uh, to the miracle against the Titans there, although it wasn't a good miracle uh, for them. They hope uh, they get a little luck this playoffs. And, and like you said, uh, talking to Frank Saravelli next, talking to Howard Simon after that, and then the show will wrap up with Shai Davidi. What's left for the Blue Jays to do this summer? We'll talk to Shai about all that. It is Fan Drive Time with Brent Gunning and Gord Stella. Keep on listening on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Fan drive time. Brent Gunning, Gord Stellick with you here. Last of Us this week. We will be no longer occupying these airwaves at this time slot. Of course, we'll be back on Thursday. For part of this time slot, actually, I just realized. 6.30 pregame when the Leafs are... Well, they'll be back in action tomorrow. But as far as the Sportsnet 5.9 of the fan is concerned, back in action Thursday against the uh, Red Wings. Very, very happy to talk to our, uh, I was about to say our next guest, our first guest of the day. Well, I guess we're both guests, but we'll welcome in another one. Frank Saravelli, daily face-off and a president of hockey content there. Frank, thanks so much for taking the time. How are you doing today? Pretty good, guys. How are you doing? Ooh, love that clean tie line. I heard the guys in the back saying that's where you were going to be. I love it. I love it. You're sounding great. Uh, thanks so much for for jumping on with us. Uh, I'm not sure the, the social media commenters would agree. My 12-year-old voice just... Uh... It just sounds a little cleaner. That's all. I love it. I love it. I got, I feel like I got a weird voice for radio. You know, this isn't uh, this isn't like thirty years ago where it's uh, hello. Here we are with the great pipes. Like we can all do it. I, I it, just, it doesn't matter. I wish I could smoke nine cigars and four glasses of bourbon tonight, but it's just not in the cards. I was gonna. I mean, you you could might be a might be a rough work day tomorrow, and whatever's going on <laughs> tonight might be harder. But I mean, you could do it. Yeah, as I always say in this business, you can do anything once, and then you, you see how many times you get to do it the second time. Uh, talking to the Leafs, uh, a little bit of panic is probably far too strong a term, but a little way bit too strong, way too strong. Holy a, a little bit of worry. TJ okay. Brody's rock solid back there. He missed a month. Now he's going on the IR. He's going to miss a handful of games. Austin Matthews has a maintenance day today. He looks like a game time decision for tomorrow. Uh, do you think that, I mean, more so the Brody thing, obviously the Matthews just getting a day of rest. Uh, the Leafs have showed a lot of good defensive depth this year. Do you think that a Brody injury, if it is anything outside of, you know, a, a week or so lingering thing could potentially change this team's plans at the deadline? I don't think so. I, I mean, I would think even with, you know, Brody being healthy, that they're probably still, my guess, is is looking on the defense market to try and continue to add. And here's the reason why it's maybe not that much of a cause for concern. And I think, Gord, you were leading down this path, was just the idea of how well they played missing you know, the handful of guys that they were seemingly for a number of weeks stretch earlier this season that it's kind of like this team yawns at this point. They're like, oh, okay, Brody's out for five games or whatever <laughs> the number ends up being. Yeah, we'll deal with it. We'll handle it. So I think that's one of the real positives of this season for the Leafs is the way they've been able to handle those and and really kind of park that to the side and, and play with even more attention to detail. But I, I actually... it's not cause for concern. It's more just a curiosity on my part of whatever Austin Matthews is dealing with. How long has he been dealing with it? And does that help explain the downtick in goals this year? 
See, that one could be the panic part that I'll get Brent on. Yeah, just with, yeah, because there, uh, there was the year, remember Austin had three different injuries. What That's was right. his second or third yeah, year? the back, so, the wrist, yeah. Yeah, so, so okay, let's, let's just, anyway, well, we'll find out. He had a maintenance day today. We'll find out if he plays tomorrow The whole thing is Gord just has to talk me off the ledge at least like yes. twice a week. Well, yes, so you're yes. just You're just getting into our psyche here, Frank. Well, well yeah. that's just most of the Toronto market most <laughs> days too, so well, congratulations. And, and, the, and Frank, I don't know if there's any other team that it's quite set that the the fan base it's it's not a terrible team at all it's a really good team now but just are getting set for a playoff disappointment so they got 82 games that they got to temper everything with to, to take a it's like that person that that gets you to go out with them and then breaks up with you again for the eighth time right <laughs> and you keep going why did i go back again you know i knew this was going to be the result so trade deadline Jeez, Gord, who did this yeah to i know you? yeah what well, <laughs> trade but trade deadline wise do you see that, like, are Leafs going to be, like, is it John Klingberg? Is it, is it I, I mean, pa- is it Patrick Kane? Is it, like, what, like, or, or is it on the smaller vein, you think? I really don't know, and I'd be, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall this weekend in Philadelphia as the Leafs held their pro and amateur scouting meetings. Like, I, I think I'd be real curious to see what kind of path was set, and I, I think in some ways, if the Leafs, are taking any sort of page from the Lou Lamorello playbook, it would be if you have time, use it in this case leading up to March 3rd, we've got 53 days until then. The truth is you don't know what might pop up. Like I think last week and and maybe the last two weeks, you started to see some cracks in the facade of, of the goaltending that has been for the most part, unbelievable this season. Uh, you don't know if there's another injury that pops up and changes your line of thinking. I, I, in some ways, I think that is a big reason why the Leafs haven't jumped into anything at this point. Is you don't know what's gonna what's around the corner, and the injuries that they've navigated, we just talked about, have they've handled them well. Um, I, I would tend to think in the grand 30,000 foot view of this team and where they're at and the playoff disappointments of years past that it would be a bigger swing as opposed to a small one if they decide to take the bat off the shoulder but I also don't I don't have a handle on where they think they are in in terms of competing with the other teams in their division I'd have to think that they're right up there but the road kind of, you know, it's interesting now with how well Boston's played too. Yeah, I mean, Boston's kind of gummed this all up. Uh, they were supposed to be on the downswing here. I don't know what exactly happened. Uh, it's amazing what a contract year and uh, and a ton of buy-in from that team. It's kind of been the recipe the the whole way along. You know, I I, I do tend to think with this team, I would expect, and I I always go back to the Nick Foligno trade they made. You know, obviously the the thinking at the time was kind of there are two guys out there. Do you want Nick Foligno who's going to be the safer option? Do you want Taylor Hall who's going to be a little sexier? And it felt like they went safer and it kind of blew up in their face. And I do wonder if that would lead Kyle Dubas to potentially go the other way. And maybe it is a bigger swing, a Timo Meyer, a Bo Horvat uh, up front, somebody, somebody along those lines, you know, you mentioned the goaltending and it's been really solid for this team, but, and both guys have had bounce back since, but we saw kind of the first extended slump from both leaf goalies uh, coming back from the holiday break here. I don't and at know the same time. Well, that's the thing. And it was a killer. You, you need one of them going, you can't have them both slumping at the same time. If there is a cratering, and I don't know that this is going to happen, but if there is a cratering and those guys both really, really cool off, 
what does the goalie market look like? Like, is it possible for the Leafs to make a move and get a netminder that would swing the needle enough to move off of those guys? And is there even enough time for them to cool off between now and the deadline? You know, I know you said 53 days and, and you're right, but, you know, I don't know that you'd see, un- unless these guys are just flat out terrible for the next two months, I don't know that the impetus is going to be on the Leafs to make a goaltending move. Where are you at on that? Yeah, I would agree. It's probably way further down the priority list at this exact moment in time, but I don't think it can be ignored due to the fact that it was this week last year that we had, we'd already talked about Jack Campbell being the Vezina front runner. (laughs) And it's this week last year when the wheels began to fall off. If you go back and look at his game by game, this is when it started. So there's still a lot of runway left in that sense that, you know, there's been a lot of people that have doubted this Leafs goaltending tandem from the start. I've been a big proponent and believer in Samsonov, was less convinced about Matt Murray and, and certainly to this point have been proven wrong, especially with his ability to frankly stay upright um, the last few months. And that's been, I think, a huge positive because we kind of forget at times that um, one of the big abilities is dependability and reliability. And that certainly has helped him on that front. But asset-wise, I I think if you were to be in the mix, sizing up the market, that this is an advantageous year to be in the market for a goalie because I think there's so few teams that actually need one this time around. You're kind of looking at Los Angeles in the West as Peterson is in the minors, Mm -hmm. John Quick has struggled, and they've you know, sort of handed off the reins for the time being to Phoenix Copley. They're only a few points behind Vegas for the Pacific Division lead. So it's L.A. and then maybe New Jersey in the east. And that's kind of it right at this moment in terms of goaltending. So I don't think it can be completely ignored, but I would still sort of rank the Leafs' needs right now as a defender on the back end. And when I say defender, like true defender, two would be some kind of second line left wing option. And then third would be, if you need one, an insurance piece in net. So Frank, just does that sound reasonable? Yeah, Yeah, it does. does. And and I'd probably flip the top, the top two to be perfectly honest, but yeah, I I think you're on board there. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on, and I'm, just in general, because it used to be it's funny chatting with Dave Poulin when he was an assistant to Brian Burke. Like, Brian liked to get the early trade, right? And I know, I guess Kyle did it with uh, Jake Muzzin, but he liked to do the trade, the enough trade, the Giguere trade that, okay, you know what? I'm going to set the market myself. I'm not going to be beholden to the last week counting down while the clock t- you went to midnight or whatever, or to 3 p.m. in the afternoon and do that deal. And I'm just wondering... Who do you think might do that in the next week or two? Because then stuff starts happening. And and uh, I, I'm just curious about when you think and how you think this thing might get started. I really wonder about Bo Horvat. And in Vancouver, Jim Rutherford, that's typically also been his MO. And the reason I say that is because they have their scouting meetings this weekend coming up in Florida. And what happens if Dylan Larkin all of a sudden becomes available in Detroit and the center market shifts and all of a sudden you have to make a decision if you're a team that's in the market for a center? Are we going after Larkin? Are we going after Horvat? I'd imagine between now and then the Canucks will take another run at at re-signing Bo. 
I don't know how successful that's going to be. The odds are probably stacked against it, although we were saying that about JT Miller last summer before that that ultimately worked itself out. But that would be the guy I have circled. And and on the defense market, it would probably be Chikrin. Like we've seen enough of a sample size to know that Chikrin is is pretty close to being the the player that he was pre-injury. And the numbers have been good watching the shifts his mobility has been good i think he is you know playing right now as well as he probably could and it's the moment that someone's gonna blink i think for jacob chikrin you know either bill armstrong their gm in arizona blinks on his price which i believe right now instead of being a first round pick and a uh, a first round pick equivalent plus a second that it's probably two first round picks and a second does either that price change or does a team step up that was unwilling previously and say that they're willing to pay it? Those would be the two guys I would have an eye on as market starters. But even then, I don't say it with a ton of confidence that there could be something that happens or develops between now and the All-Star break. Just how much do you think the allure of Connor Bedard changes the deadline. You know, there are teams that would say, you know, you always hear it from owners, especially in, you know, certain markets, the idea of, look, if you can get in, I don't care if you're going to get stomped in the first round, get in and find a way to get me two games of playoff revenue. But the idea of Connor Bedard being there, do you think this will, I mean, obviously it's not affecting any teams who are buying at the deadline, but do you think there'll be kind of a run of sellers, a race of teams to get as bad as quickly as they can? You know, obviously, everyone's looking at Chicago. They got the worst record in the league. They have two big, you know, pieces there that could go. I I suppose they could stay depending on what they want to do. But do you think there will be kind of a a rush of teams to get bad as quickly as they can just because of Bedard? I don't think so. And, And part of the reason for that is the way the NHL's draft lottery odds are structured. I went through the odds again this morning and between, uh, 29th place and 23rd place like you're you're only talking about a difference total of 5% or 6%. Mm. So I think you're kind of splitting hairs on that front if you're, you know, the Arizona Coyotes right now in the 5th spot at 8 and a half or you're the Philadelphia Flyers in the 8th spot at 6%, like there's not a huge difference there yeah. enough to incentivize anything additional that you might be able to pull off only because Chicago's so far back of everyone else and Columbus is in that same range. Like Chicago could trade a third of their roster. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but Kane Taves, Athanasiu, Domi, Stalock, yeah. Lafferty, go, go through the list. Like they could move a ton of guys between now and March 3rd that already one the team that's on pace to be the worst team in the NHL salary cap era is clearly getting worse between now and March 3rd, not better that I, I mean, how, how much can you, how much damage can you possibly inflict on your team in order to make something like that a reality to gain that big of an advantage over the rest of the field? And uh, another wild card, Frank, and I know again, a long time ago when, when Los Angeles was trading Rob Blake, he landed in Colorado, won a Stanley cup with Colorado Leafs had a big interest, but they wanted to sign him to that contract. And last year, what Hampus Lindholm did, I mean, that's a big reason the Bruins, and what an ad for the Bruins, and also he signed when he came over, so Anaheim got more in return. And you mentioned Horvat, and you wonder Dylan Larkin. 
Like, you know, if you're if you're able to percolate something there that the right team, the right scenario, then you got to jump on that now. I, I wonder if there will be a repeat of Hampus Lindholm. I could see it for sure. And it's funny you mentioned Boston because we're talking about the Leafs and their calculus and how they map out in this division, likely heading towards another first-round meeting with Tampa Bay. And who knows how that's going to go. If you get through that, like, what if what if Horvat's landing spot is Boston? <sighs> I think that's a real possibility that you have to consider. They may not have a ton of assets, but I think they have a chance to make it work salary cap-wise and to re-sign him. And all of a sudden, you have this scenario in which it probably entices David Pasternak to sign. Uh, they're still working away on that, even though it's at a glacial pace. You know, it seems like he's the perfect guy to pass the torch from Patrice Bergeron to to Bo Horvat in terms of that play down the middle. If all of a sudden you've got, in some order, Bergeron, Horvat, Krejci down the middle, you're in really good shape. And so um, I think you have to consider that as well when you're looking at the market and sizing up just how the Leafs fit into something like that. I might go have a cry in the commercial break hearing all that, but yeah, I think it does make a, a lot of sense, and you're right. As far as a, a torchbearer going forward, yeah, Horvat to Bergeron, you, you could easily see it happening. And then also I wonder, you know, I, just... Wait a second. I wanted to revisit for one second because you guys got me thinking about it. The idea of Nick Felino and the past deadlines yeah. and how they kind of played it safe then, you could make the argument that they swung big and just missed. Well, I guess I guess what I would say is that they went for the the less sexy of the option. It wasn't that they did not go in. They they spent a first round pick on Nick Felino. You're right. This it wasn't a case of them being, you know, them limping in at the deadline and saying, oh, let's just get a little piece. They get they made a big play for it. But I just look at the idea of a safer option, a lower floor player versus a higher ceiling guy. And that's the thing I keep going back to. You know, the idea of will it be I guess when I think of it, and I'm always kind of thinking of this with a forward, because I, I do think that is the the bigger need for the team. I look at it of the idea of, do you want a guy who is a, he's a middle six guy, or do you want a guy who is a true top six talent? And I think that Felino at that point in his career and still is more of a middle six guy, whereas Taylor Hall was clearly a top six guy at the time. So that's kind of the way, the way I look at it, at yeah. it, Frank. Does that make sense? It does, but I would say that when you go back and you look at, the entire market from the year that they made the trade on Felino, he was never really considered among the sort of elite asks. Like he was never at the very top of anyone's trade target board to go out and get. And yet they still paid a really big price to get him. And I don't even know then that he was the best stylistic fit for what they were looking for. So it was like they wanted to be in the game. They wanted to make a splash, but then sort of went about it in a strange way that it, it was like they deviated or checked down from their own list and ended up with Felino, that also was dealing probably with a back injury For that sure. they wish they had more information on. Yeah, I think the other thing that, that complicates matters is as well is that, and not that you wanted to see too much of this from Felino at the time, but, and, you know, uh, the fact that David Camp has come in since and they're getting a little bit of more depth center, I think part of it as well was the idea that in a pinch you could, in theory, it didn't actually work out all that well, but in theory you would have been able to slide Nick Felino over if a Tavares or Matthews was unavailable. It just kind of mm-hmm. gave you a little extra center depth 
depth. I think that was part of the calculation uh, as, as well. Um, I do, before, but I think that yeah, has sorry, a big impact this year on how they think about this deadline. I would imagine is that everything is sort of going to be weighed or viewed through that same prism of if we're spending these type of assets what are the odds that we have a similar type result, not just in the end of season result and a first round exit, but more in terms of what happens if this player doesn't have the same type of impact that we're envisioning? Yeah, you're, you're, you're 100% right. I'm looking at it at the complete other side of things, but you're right. There's very much the the other view, and we're all kind of guessing what Kyle Dubas uh, is thinking. We are a little bit up against it, but I, I got to get you I got to get you on the Oilers here. Uh, Connor McDavid, he is having, well, I was about to say a historical season. It's just, it's just a year for Connor McDavid. This is what he does. A, a little special for him, I know, but when you have a player like McDavid, and okay, I'm not going to say it's a bargain deal at 12-5, but you know, it's a fair contract for him. Leon Dreisaitl's on one of the best contracts in the league and you still can't find a way to surround it. You know, we talk about how top heavy the Leafs cap is here and boy, is it, but they got four guys chewing up all that, you know, there it is. It's really those two. And, you know, I know they've missed a Vander Kane, but what is the path to kind of turning things around and having more consistency in Edmonton? It's a really good question. And I was asking that same question of, of people in and around the Oilers earlier today, as they sit in 10th place in the West in points percentage on the outside looking in at the playoffs, which would be just after a Final Four appearance last year, utterly unacceptable in the eighth and ninth years of the McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl experience. If you think about it in those terms, they've almost chewed up basically half of their careers That's... right now to this point and have very little to show for it. And I think there's two uh, camps, two schools of thought when it comes to the Oilers in that there's one group of people that watch that team really closely and say, well, their big issue is that for 36 minutes of the game, those two players are on the bench and they haven't properly found a way to support them. Their bottom six is really struggling. It's one dimensional. There are players that are all 24 years of age and younger have basically regressed. Um, they, and they don't have a lot to show for it. And then there's another school of thought. And I think these two are butting heads specifically in the Oilers' own front office today is, well, do we like? can we get more from McDavid and Dreisaitl? That it's not about the points anymore. That when you have a 3-2 lead in the third period, instead of trying to thread a pass, a backhand through three guys in the neutral zone at your own blue line, that, hey, let's play instead of for points to lock this down. And so I think the true answer is probably a little bit of both, that those guys can have a commitment that's deeper to winning and not about the power play and all the fun parts of the game. And then I think the other part is they could still use players with other dimensions on their bottom six that are good penalty killers that, you know, maybe you pick up a a defender that's, you know, similar in style to what I was just talking about with the Leafs, Mm -hmm. that there's this push and pull that it's going to be really interesting to see which way the Oilers go because they've also been generally under Ken Holland. It's his MO to be pretty patient. Yeah, and, uh, you know, if you have time, use it. It's a generally a good rule, but uh, maybe they're running out of it there uh, in Edmonton. Frank, I love the chat. I'd love to talk to you even longer, but we are uh, up against it. Thanks so much for taking the time. Thanks, guys. Have a good night. There he goes. Frank Saravelli, dailyfaceoff.com, president of hockey content. I don't know who gave him that title. Sounds like a good one. Uh, it's interesting. You know, we're going to have, as he said, 53 days till the trade deadline. So we will have 53 different versions of that exact conversation until until the Leafs make their move. You know, uh, the Oilers, they continue to be a really interesting team. Uh, a lot of fun stuff in that conversation with Frank. Yeah. Yeah. Inter- interesting is a, 
an interesting word about Edmonton. Like, wow. I, I will say, and uh, not to not to uh, go against what Frank's saying, he's, he said the other side of the coin, I don't know that McDavid and Dreisaitl were the problem there. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And again, I keep talking about it. And guys like Mark Spector then trash us. Oh, yeah, you guys in the East, yeah. you're going to lose. I go, no, I'm not doing the tit for tat <laughs> thing. I just mean you got, you know, you got Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, two unhappy campers. I, unhappy if this happens, you don't mm-hmm. make the playoffs. I mean, they were totally happy. They bought in for the full eight years, and you're here again? Like, again, there's a lot of runway still. They're, they're technically still in the playoffs, but just you're here again? Seriously? Lack of goaltending, lack of depth, and you got these two elite players? So, anyway, we well, shall see. And the thing is, is they've done it, right? They have gone on their run to the to the Western Conference Final, and, you know, it's funny. You talk about depth, and obviously this guy is not depth. He's up their lineup but when you talk about guys who do all the other stuff it's zach hyman like that is the poster child for it they went and got him and look he's doing it i i having not including seen, car commercials that's right yeah. he's doing it all that's right uh good for zach get that money uh we will uh continue probably a little more hockey talk and sneak in a little bit with howard simon talk to him about those sabers but mostly talk to him about those bills also shy davidi going to join us before the show is up tell us what's going on with the blue jays now that they have landed brandon belt no belt tightening there they're spending money this offseason. It's fan drive time. Brent Gunning and Gord Stellick will be back talking to Howard Simon next on Sportsnet 5.9 of the Fan.